Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Huddle Podcast. I'm Frank, your host, and with me is... Your co-host, Star Duran. Hey, Star, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. So on our last episode, we talked about... Uh, we, we briefly talked about knowledge management uh, as it pertains to imposter syndrome. And so, you know, one of the big things about imposter syndrome is uh, trying to correlate all the data that's out there. What are the right resources to make sure you're, you're knowledgeable in whatever field you're trying to get into? So with me, I've brought on... Um, a friend of mine, uh, Emily Otto, to talk about knowledge management. Emily, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm, we're happy to have you. Um, so, Emily, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So, currently, I'm an active duty Army captain. I'm serving under U.S. Cyber Command. Uh, I'm here in a personal capacity, and so my opinions are my own. Um, and I'm uh, a, a passionate supporter uh, in productivity and knowledge management and how it can be used to accomplish one's goals. Emily, I really love your uh, disclaimer there uh, about all the opinions are your own. So Absolutely. Um, I appreciate that. So Emily, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what is knowledge management? So knowledge management is taking a deep um, analytical look at how data and information and knowledge move around your organization. And so then um, not only internal to the organization then, but what's the relationship with the internal information environment to then the external information environment and how data information and knowledge flow internally and externally. Um, And you're looking to kind of improve those flows, uh, gain insights, and kind of increase not only just productivity, but just innovation as well in an organization. So... With that being said, so what's the science behind it? Like everyone talks about knowledge management. Some people use it as buzzwords. What is knowledge management? So the the science part is also more there's an art form to it as well because whenever people are involved, it, there's a little bit more of some of the soft skills that have to have to be incorporated into in the NEKM program. The, the science part of it, as far as the networking and data science, it's creating infrastructure um, and creating or acquiring software that then helps you manage that information and data. Uh, and so that may be databases. Um, it's also how you capture information external to the information environment and then bring it in and organize it. You know, is it structured data? Are you tagging it? Um, how then is it going to be accessible to people inside the organization and distributed in a meaningful way so that it can be leveraged for you know, innovation um, or to inform decision-making? And so that's kind of the, the science-y part of, of knowledge management. The art part comes from um, creating cultures and conditions that allow for knowledge generation and, and innovation. Yeah, no, and I agree with that 100%. And, you know, one of the things you've got to consider with, like, knowledge management, again, you have all these data points and having a, the right platform that suits your organization. Um, I know on a previous call, we talked about the pillars. Can you tell us about the pillars of knowledge management? Yeah, so um, I, I talked a little about the science and the tools part of it. And so that, that's one of the pillars is uh, the tools and the technology. Sometimes those are used interchangeably. Uh, that an organization uses to facilitate those flows. But there are also then the people that are involved 
um, and then the processes. And so sometimes, you know, maybe the roles that the people have in the process of data and information flow, but also maybe their roles that they don't realize that, that they are falling into. Like in an organization, you're going to have knowledge buyers and sellers. So people that have that knowledge, um, especially if they've been in the organization a long time, um, and then people seeking, seeking that information and knowledge. Um, the next one, processes. Um, looking at streamlining processes, doing process analysis to make sure that information is getting to the right people at the right time when they need it. Um, and so the people, processes, and tools are kind of the main pillars that then support the organization. And they, they uh, when you're building people uh, in those roles, uh, the processes, and then the tools, you always have to keep in mind, like, what it, what is it that we're trying to do here? in the organization and that those things are, you know, trained, designed, and then configured to, to align to the organization's overall strategy and plan. Right. And so that's, it's kind of interesting because it goes back to like, you know, if people don't know how to use or even understand the processes or even how to utilize the tools and it's kind of like, it's a waste of time. Like everyone's got to be on the same sheet of music when it comes to, to the knowledge management piece. And there's got to be a lot of buy-in. I know you've been dealing with a lot of buy-in, um, because you're a big advocate for knowledge management. Um, so, Star? Um, yeah, so how did you get into knowledge management in the first place? So my, my formal introduction to knowledge management um, was when I was assigned to the Cyber Protection Brigade down at uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. And kind of observing the landscape of the organization, I realized there were some bottlenecks and friction points and frustrations of being able to access data or get information, um, even if it's just like about a process or how to submit a form, things like that. And so I kind of then dived into, you know, what are, how do we design solutions for this? How do you, we go about fixing this so that we can focus on the core mission of the organization and less on just trying to figure out um, getting the right information we needed to do certain tasks. And so I discovered the Army Knowledge Management uh, proponent and program. Uh, and I asked my, my commander at the time um, to be able to, to be assigned to the knowledge management position uh, and go and get some formalized training. And so that was my, my kind of formal introduction um, through the Army about knowledge management. Um, informally, uh, knowledge management isn't something that you just kind of, I think, um, it, it being like a niche field and that like only people concerned with knowledge management start looking into it. it. It really impacts people's everyday lives. When you look at, especially now in the information age, you know, all of the information coming in into people's, you know, just life in general, managing time, emails, podcasts, the books they read, uh, the businesses they're trying to, to run, filing your taxes, the DMV, all of that is information and knowledge that you're getting from external to your brain. You are then bringing it into whatever system you've built um, and then using it in order to inform decision-making, uh, complete pro uh, processes that then allow you to do other things that you want to focus on doing. And so you are either a, a victim or a, a champion of executing knowledge management, whether you like it or not. Uh, and it can create a lot of, I think, stress in people's lives when they don't have good information systems in their own life. Um, or it can be kind of, you know, a, a system that really allows them to flourish. Right. And so, I, I, you know, it's interesting you, you, you bring that up about how it's in every facet of your life, whether you want it or not. Um, I think sometimes as a cybersecurity professional, we forget that, 
yes, we're defending, you know, networks. Yes, we're defending computers. But what you're really protecting is the data. The data is what uh, drives every decision, drives, impacts every organization. Without the right data, you know, organizations will fail. Uh, without the right data, you know, we make personal financial decisions or poor financial decisions. Um, and it drives a lot of that, the thinking process that goes along with it. So as cybersecurity professionals, we probably need to step away and not think so much about protecting the network or protecting the data that rides that network. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually like how you said earlier too, that um, a lot of it is about asking the right questions. It sounds like there's a lot of critical thinking involved in that too. Um, with that being said, what platform do you use and, and how do you set it up? So in my in my personal life, I've kind of have a, a, a suite, if you will, a suite of different tools that I use in order to to manage my internal to external and external to internal information flows. Um, and so I have a lot of inputs. <laughs> I do a lot of research on my own in my personal time. And so I needed to kind of configure a system so that I could then take advantage of all of those inputs. Um, into then being able to produce things of value. Okay, and so this is what I mean by by all that jargon. Um, I've I've looked at different systems, and there are, there are ways. So I do a lot of reading, right? And so you can do in, in e-readers or like I use Kindle, highlight those notes, uh, then export those notes or manual or set it up so it automatically exports it into a, a cloud repository and then into an external brain system like whether it's uh, notion or uh, Rome research um, and kind of deciding on what software you want to use to be able to kind of support your overall objective and that goes back to like the tools supporting the organization right in your personal life it's just the software supporting like the vision of your life um, and so I, yeah, I use a suite of things, things that I, I think are really essential to getting started on any kind of system that supports what you want is a, um, you know, a task management system. Um, and then uh, embed also then the project management that goes with that. So you can stay on top of like current projects and things you're doing. Um, and this may all be like in a package of a system. Notion is, is really good for this. Um, Rome research can be used as well. Uh, and then also maintaining like a memory Right. I may not need to have, um, you know, the phone number to my doctor's office, um, you know, memorized because I can save it in my phone. Uh, is there other information similar to that that I can then put into like a platform that I can access from my phone um, that then I can, you know, have it when I need it. Right. Um, whether it's like the way in which that I, um, you know, write notes. What is my note method? methodology. And so that's more for, for the research side of things that I do. Um, and so I would say, look at what your inputs are, whether, you know, email, news articles, podcasts, things like that, that you want to then keep and retain. Uh, and then you have to build kind of like a system so that it can automatically feed into a way that you can access it easily. Yeah. And so you, you brought up the, the research aspect of it. Like I know you've also used it for like, um, like personal, like health and fitness and stuff like that. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that, how you're leveraging it from that super personal aspect? Yeah. So like with the, the health and fitness stuff, um, in my notion, I've created, you know, projects. What, what are my, my goals 
first off, what is my overarching goal then for the, for the year? And one of them is, you know, just health and health and fitness. Um, and so within that, I've got certain projects. Um, and so then I can have tasks within those projects and I can kind of see the nesting, like how are my tasks and projects that I'm working on this year feeding into an overarching goal? So I can kind of stay, you know, on track for that goal. And then I, you know, I have a daily, daily journal, that I've configured in, in Notion so that then I can then log the habits that I'm doing. And maybe one of my, my goal, part of one of my goals is to, you know, go to, go to my gym a certain number of days a week. And then I'm able to like track that and kind of see the data um, and where I'm doing good and where I'm not. And then review my project, you know, on a monthly basis to kind of be like, okay, where am I on this? And kind of get a good check on if I'm heading in the right direction. Um, and so some of these tools can be really great to provide you, you know, a dashboard or provide you, you know, a way to kind of do more um, reflection in an intentional way. Uh, and so it's not just kind of like a guesstimation where it's like, oh, I can't really remember. And so then you can't make decisions more as effectively because you're, you're pulling from just what you happen to remember instead of having a system set up to be able to make, you know, better decisions about moving forward. And I like how you said it's, you know, what you remember because we can only remember so much. So it's kind of like good to have that platform. And so like I know from a personal, I use it, um, Star uses it uh, for our personal life as well as for our business, uh, kind of keeping track of the tasks and keeping track of, you know, um, like I have it broken out with market analysis. Um, Star does the meeting notes. So that way I always know, I always have a spot to where I know where I need to pick up where I left off. There's all these tasks and goals and where we're trying to go with the, with the organization. Um, so if you could tell our listeners um, how the KM platform has allowed you to achieve your goals. Yeah, so this is actually, I, I, I did some kind of pondering looking back and I realized, you know, without a system in place, you know, no matter what it is, right, no matter what per person use, uses and what software they decide to use, or even if they decide to use the notebook, right? Although I've got some certain reasons why I think analog systems aren't the best, right? Because then you lose the notebook and it's all gone. Um, and so it, it's really helped me focus less time on, on um, trying to remember the stuff that I have to do and focusing on what my brain is better at, which is doing the task, being creative and com completing that goal and being able to focus on that goal because I'm able to kind of like offload the stress almost of um, keeping the entire project organized onto a system or onto a tool, right? And that's what humans are great at doing, using tools, building tools. It's what makes us very, very different than a lot of other mammals. I think actually all mammals. Uh, we use tools a lot. And so using and leveraging those tools so that we can then focus our time and energy at that one task at a time and be more present uh, in the now and so I would say as far as things, how it's really helped me is one, time management. And time management is not necessarily um, just moving things around. It's being explicit with your time and setting you know, some boundaries so that you can really focus that time. Um, so being more intentional with my time, uh, organizing tasks effectively, records management. So I know I've got a single place that I go to reference things that I need to reference. Uh, and, and as far as like my memory, uh, there's a great, great quote that David Allen has that I kind of just, you know, I, I hold on to. It says that your brain is for having ideas, not storing them. 
And I think that's pretty prolific, especially, you know, when you come across some of the naysayers that are like, oh, like, you know, I can't, we're loading this off into technology. Like, what does that mean for society? And, you know, I don't think anybody would argue, especially nowadays. I mean, they did when I was growing up, um, that we should memorize phone numbers, right? Like, that's not something that people are, oh, you should be memorizing, what, 100 phone numbers in your phone? Uh, we offload that onto a system. And so there are other things, I think, that we can kind of offload onto systems um, because we're, we're going to have them and be able to access them. Um, and so that we can focus more time on doing the things that, that we want to do, whether it's being more present with our families or being more creative in our lives. Um, and so I think it's really helped me to be able to, one, do more uh, than, than I normally would be able to do, uh, be less stressed, uh, and then spend more time on the things I enjoy doing um, instead of kind of stressing and, and spending time trying to find information to do the things that I don't necessarily enjoy spending time on doing. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. So, you know, the time management piece, it definitely, I will tell you, it's definitely increased my productivity because now I know I have a place where I can go to what's the next thing instead of me trying to think of, oh, I needed to do this or I needed to do that. Um, so... As a, so I've known you for a while now. So I remember when you were a brand new lieutenant and you were in uh, one of our cyber courses and you were writing your notes and doing your little quizlets and you were like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this because, you know, um, you're a policy major, uh, not STEM. So it's kind of like, and now you're a cyber officer. So as we start to close, um, what is your advice to someone who is trying to get into cyber? And more importantly, what is your advice to females trying to get into cyber since there's so few? Okay. So I think for getting into cyber, one is that um, you're going to feel like an idiot. And that's okay, right? Just kind of be like, I'm going to feel like an idiot and um, kind of let that go or, or accept it. Like whatever kind of gets you through that moment. Like, this is going to be an uncomfortable feeling. And that uncomfortable feeling is put because there's change going on. You're, you're entering a space that you don't necessarily know the ropes of or, or know the basics yet. And just be really exploratory. Like, you see a term you don't know, Google it. You see, you know, an, an idea or a concept or a structure that you don't understand, YouTube it, right? Just start, just continue to, like, look for more information and go down those rabbit holes, Um and then and just be very kind of exploratory. And then you'll start to build um, the knowledge, right? You'll start to build um, the knowledge and the information base to then, you know, continue that exploratory search um, further. But I think getting, getting comfortable with the fact that um, you're going to be troubleshooting all the time. And in fact, actually, it doesn't stop. Um, you just go to a different level of troubleshooting. You just go to a different level of Googling. You're just Googling different things because, you know, you don't have to Google as much anymore. Um, and just kind of getting really comfortable in, in that space and with that feeling that we'll feel very new uh, and you'll feel like an idiot. Um, I, th I think for, for women in particular, though, um, I wouldn't really focus at all on um, the fact that you're just a woman in the space. I would just focus on the things that you're passionate about learning and contributing. Um, and, and I wouldn't necessarily look for differences between you and other people. 
I would maybe look for for the similarities and the connections. Uh, you know, I think especially like in the current environment, people are people are just kind of uh, you know uncomfortable. There's a lot of societal changes and cultural changes, um, and so try to try to build bridges with people, um, and come from like a sharing you know a sharing you know uh, perspective. And I think I think that'll get you far when people see you as as a teammate, you know, and not and not, you know, kind of a, a, a political point, so to speak. No, and that makes perfect sense. I think the network, you're building your network is like crucial in anything you do, just because you are, again, part of that team, you become that team, you have those people to rely on. Um, so if people wanted to follow you, how, how would you, how would, how would they follow you? Um, let's see. So I, I, I'm pretty active on, on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me on there, uh, Emily Otto. Um, also, my handle um, on on Twitter as well as on uh, Mastodon is uh, Madam Strategy. Um, and so you can kind of follow me on there. Well, I think we'll we'll just put it in the show notes. Um, and I tend to tweet out some things or or post things as dealing with knowledge management or things that I've kind of observed. Uh, and yeah, I'd love for people to join in in the conversation. I think it's a it's a great space to kind of take a meaningful look about the data information and knowledge that's coming into our lives and how to leverage it or how to kind of tailor it to, to serve us instead of us kind of being a slave to just the information that's thrown at us. Yeah, no, and, and I really appreciate it. And I can't, I, I can't thank you and Star and I can't thank you enough for, you know, just the um, advice you've given us as far as knowledge management goes uh, for our, our business. Cause I think without a good solid, you know, knowledge management platform and a process like we would not be getting as far as we've gotten. So I, I, I really do appreciate all your help and support in that. And I think you're, uh, you're definitely one of those people to continue to follow um, as you go through, um, as you start to, you know, build your, your, your future endeavors, if you will, um, with knowledge management and, and what your goals are. So Again, I, I appreciate you, uh, appreciate all your advice. I appreciate you coming on the show and t- taking the time to have a talk with us about knowledge management. Do you have anything else to add, Emily? No, this has been great. Thank you guys for, for hosting me. I look forward to, to uh, working with you guys again in the future. Yeah, definitely. Star, do you have anything? No, but thank you so much for joining us and, and talking to us about knowledge management. We really appreciate that. All right. Well, that being said, looks like we're going to close this episode of Cyber Huddle Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.